Welcome to the podcast of Local Community Church. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to find out more, head to our website at localcommunity.church. So if you can turn with me to chapter 11, verse 19 to 26. I said turn because I still like good old-fashioned Bibles, and I know most of you. Well, I'm trusting all of you with your phones are turning to the Bible and not checking my live stream on Facebook, <laughs> which I'm feeling a little bit awkward about. <laughs> Thanks, Lucky. Um, cool. Okay, so chapter 11, verse 19 to 26. Okay, so we've kind of got this idea where we've seen the move that started in chapter 10 where they're preaching now to Gentiles and then we discover that it's the first time they're actually referred to as Christians or believers. And pretty soon after that, King Herod starts persecuting them. Is a very brief summary of what we just read. So just to put this in historical context for you, the part of Acts we're looking at particularly today, is set in around AD 42. Now, I know some people, and I'm going to say this assuming I wasn't the only one (laughs) many years ago, assume that AD means after death. And it's actually a fairly logical assumption to make because BC means before Christ. So it would kind of work that if one's before Christ, the other would be after death. But I guess if that happened, what do we do with the 33 years that Jesus was actually alive they just literally don't exist so ad is actually the latin phrase that means anno domini and this is in the year of our lord or otherwise the year the lord was born so ad 42 would be about nine to ten years depending on which part of the year it was after jesus death i found it fascinating it actually took almost a decade after Jesus' death for his followers to be called Christians. That's that's quite a long time. And to be called a Christian literally meant you were a believer in Jesus Christ or a disciple of Jesus Christ. Another way that I've um, heard this recently is an apprentice of Jesus Christ. Now, I actually really like that because it's this idea that you are following or learning a trade or way of life of a master. You know, if I was going to go and do an apprenticeship with Dave Scottford to be a car mechanic, I would be watching what he's doing every moment of every day so that I could be a good car mechanic. That's how an apprenticeship works. And this is what these people, the first disciples, had done with Jesus. They literally lived with him, ate with him, slept with him. Like the whole part of their life was how do we learn to model our life on this man? Now, obviously, Jesus isn't there anymore in person. And the call to follow Christ obviously continued after he returned to heaven, thankfully, because otherwise we all would have been here. And it had the same essence as the original call. And on the surface, it seems like quite a simple offer. It's the arm. Come follow me. You know, we read when he first met his disciples and was walking along in their fishing, come follow me. Seems like three fairly simple words. And while he was their rabbi or their teacher, the cross and all that it encompassed meant that he had a more complete call because he was also their saviour. His life was still the example he wanted us to follow, but his death and resurrection brought forgiveness, grace and eternal life to those who chose to say yes, to become Christians. 
And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful <laughs> that that's what that call then encompassed because that's the reality of the promise that we live under. So when I was preparing this message, it um, caused me to think about when I answered the call to come follow. And um, it feels like just the other day, but it wasn't. <laughs> so back in 1987, when many people to my right weren't even born, <laughs> I was thinking that as I did it, I'm like, I'm oh, 87. Um, and I was... And on came a song which people may be on the left. And literally, this song started playing in the church service, and I was, there's probably no other word but compelled to stand up, walk to the front of the church, and give my life to Jesus. Now, as I looked back on that decision and was pondering it, did I fully comprehend the call I was responding to? Probably not. Um, but did it change my life forever from that day? Absolutely. Because I, in the capacity I had, responded to the call that I believed was being asked of me. Now, I said before that this offer seemed quite simple on the surface. And in some ways it still is. You see, Jesus still invites us to come and follow him. However, back then and still now, that call comes with costs. And Jesus has always been really clear about these costs. But I don't know that we always like to think of them as inseparable from the call. I think sometimes we like to see them as two different things. I was called and I'll consider the cost. But they were and are inextricably linked. Because in reality, what Jesus said in most of the Gospels is, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must turn from your selfish ways or deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's a little bit different than come follow me. <laughs> the invitation is still to come follow him, but the cost came before. So the call is to follow him, but the cost is to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. And I always pay attention to the words Jesus uses. He didn't say, if anyone wants to be my follower, could you consider? Could you think about turning from your selfish ways? Could you maybe take up your cross occasionally? No, no, no. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross daily. So there's a cost. Don't worry, it gets good. <laughs> we read in Acts 12 that at pretty much the same time that they were announced as Christians, King Herod Agrippa started persecuting them. So you've got James, the brother of John, who was killed with the sword, and Peter, who was placed in prison, awaiting a trial. Now, while obviously I'm not saying that what happened to James and Peter is indicative of what our cost will be, I am saying that there will be a cost for each of us. It's biblical. Like, it, there's no way around it. And I think sometimes in 21st century Western churches, we can whitewash over the cost of it. And we step into the wonderful life of Jesus and the joy of Jesus, and they are all very true. But there's a cost that comes with it. And if we don't consider the cost when we answer the call, we actually can end up disillusioned with the call and feel a little bit like, hmm, this isn't the life that I thought I'd signed up to. Now, please don't get me wrong. 
okay? I, I want to make clear, this is not a Debbie Downer kind of a message. <laughs> it's actually a really positive message. It, it's the opposite, because when we understand the cost, it completely changes how we see the call. We better understand what lies ahead of us. And we don't become disillusioned with what Jesus said and feel like there was some fine print T's and C's that we didn't quite understand. Or I don't know about you, but you know those those Apple user agreements? That goes, have you read and agreed to everything? It's like, yep. <laughs> I'm in the background thinking, please don't say that I just gave you everything in my life because I don't go on and read them and they update all the time. So, you know, but I, I think God, God is far clearer in what his expectation of us is when we answer that call. You know, it would be like if I decided I wanted to run a marathon or I wanted to climb Mount Everest. Don't worry, I'm not going to do either of those things. And I didn't consider all the preparation. I didn't consider the time, the physical, the emotional, the mental pressure it was going to put on me to be able to do it in a way that I would finish the thing that I wanted to do. Some of you know I love hiking. I really love hiking. And as morbid as it might sound, some of my favourite things about hiking are the most gruelling days where you go the longest distances and you have to trudge through the sand on the beach and at the end you ache. But you know that good ache, that ache that goes, oh, this isn't because I led awkwardly to pick something up. <laughs> this is because I, because that happens now as well. But, <laughs> but it's actually that, oh, I've worked my body hard and I prepared my body to do this so while I ache, I know I'll recover. Does that, you know, they're different. They're really different. And for me, the joy of the hike far outweighs the months of training and preparation. You know, a week ago, uh, I was doing a training hike with Crystal and we were aiming to do 16Ks. And I don't know if you remember the weather last Saturday, but um, <laughs> at about 13 k's, we looked at each other and go, man, we've had a good run with the weather. This has been awesome. I don't know what they were saying about the rain. And then within the next K, we were on the phone to Mike going, help, come and get us. It was literally saturated within, I would say, two minutes. And that's the reality of training for a hike. In fact, that's the reality of doing a hike. You know, when you're going to do it in July, we won't think of the logic of that. But, and that's that's the reality if you train for a marathon. That's the reality if you train for climbing Mount Everest. The training is what enables you to do the thing. And I think sometimes, like I said, the joy of the hike far outweighs the training. That's true also of the call of following Jesus Christ. You see, the joy of salvation and relationship the freedom of forgiveness and grace, the presence of the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promise of eternal life far outweigh any of the persecution, rejection or sacrifices along the way. But that's if we know that and it's the lens we look at it through. And that's why I'm saying the two are inextricably linked because then when those costs come, we remember all that the call offers. We remember what it is that we answered yes to. Derek has mentioned um, a book that we've both been reading, which is brilliant. I think it was recommended by the Browns, by John Mark Comer, um, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's messing me up in the very best of ways. If you haven't read it, I, I highly recommend it. 
But something that he says in there that really impacted me and I felt tied into this is we just want the good bits. And I think whenever we feel like that, if you feel like it's a tough deal, we just need to consider again the call and the cost for Jesus. Because actually the call, can you imagine the conversation between God the Father and God the Son? (laughs) I've got this awesome thing I want you to do. I want you to make a way for us to be reconciled to humanity. You know, it's like the like kind of emoji. That's awesome. I'd love to be told that that was going to be my role. And then, and then the obvious question: How? How are we going to do that? It's like, well, you're going to have to become one of them. Then you're going to have to live a sinless life. Then after you've lived a sinless life, you're going to have to take all of their sin upon yourself as if it was yours and die a criminal's death. And then you'll raise to life again so that they all don't have to pay that price. And he still said yes. What did you say? Good deal. (laughs) And it's we only get the call from Jesus because he paid the call and the cost. And, And he even at some point says to God, if there is any other way, if you can take this cup from me, but not my will, yours. Now this morning we sing all these songs and it's wonderful. I surrender. I surrender to you. My life is yours. And it's true. What we're actually singing about is the cost. But the reality is often different than the worship song. The worship song's a wonderful reminder and I love worship. I think it's always brilliant to fill our hearts with the hope that we have and re-engage in the fact that we are surrendering our lives. But we need to know the reality of that and why we do it. Why we do it. Why we pay the cost because of the call. I feel like the call, and this is kind of like my 13-year-old version of myself, the call is what starts the journey. Sometimes we don't fully understand it, especially when we're young, when we receive Jesus. But I think the costs are what define us. So the call starts our journey with Jesus, but the costs define us. At the tender age of 45, as I look back over my life and may well be halfway through it or more, I don't know how many years God is going to grace me with. But I can 100% categorically tell you it's the seasons of cost that have grown me the most. They're where I've been moulded, I've been softened, I've been shaped. And ultimately, they're the things that have made me more like the one I'm following. Because if life is just one constant bed of roses, if there's never points where you have to continually go, no, I choose you, Jesus. You are worth this. You are worth more than anything this world can offer me. If we don't have those moments, how does our call continue to get refined? How does our call continue to mature? And ultimately, whilst the cost seems difficult in the midst of it, in hindsight we see his hand. I don't know about you, but I've had so many things that when I've gone through it, I'm just like, what the heck are you doing, God? 
And then afterwards, I see his hand, I see his provision, I see his purpose. And, and God willing, I see his glory. Because it's when we sacrifice ourselves that we say less of us, more of him. And that, that is what the Christian life is about. So we've looked at the call and the cost. But as I was reading Acts 11 and 12, praying about what God wanted me to share, there was this beautiful theme, this beautiful foundation that came through that highlighted what surrounds the call and the cost, and that's community. You see, while we are called individually and personally, and we are also more often than not called in the context of community. Little 13-year-old Kylie at the back of Warwick Church of Christ didn't get to know Jesus all on her own. Like I was part of a youth group. I'd grown up in a Sunday school. I had parents who loved Jesus. I had our pastor. There was all these people speaking into my life who helped me understand who Jesus was and his love for me. So it was personal. It was intimate. But it was in the context of community. And likewise, like the costs, they're personal. In fact, I know every single person in this room will have borne costs that none of us may ever even know about. You can never look at someone's life and assume the costs they've borne to follow Jesus. But I also know that we are not meant to do that journey alone. You know, the Greek word ecclesia is mentioned 115 times in the New Testament. I love that. Ecclesia is this idea of the church, the gathering of the believers. And so Jesus wanted us to do this journey in the midst of other people who are following him, other apprentices, other people who are going, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And if we look at Acts 12, and I love this, it says, while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. I don't know about you, but the word earnestly is pretty full on. Like if someone came up to me and said, I've been praying earnestly for you this week, I would feel, oh, whew, that's awesome. But it wasn't just earnestly, it was very earnestly for him. I know you needed a very before earnestly. But I know I have people in my life who pray very earnestly for me. I know that. And there are people that I can even send a text going, hey, I'm struggling with this, can you just pray for me? And I know they are. You know, like, they, they are onto it. But here's the thing, and this is what I love. They prayed very earnestly for him, and because of this, an angel of the Lord came and miraculously set him free. So what was Peter doing while his church were praying very earnestly for him? He was asleep. Literally says, he's on trial the next day and he was asleep which is great. He had a peace. But I think he had a peace because he knew God was in control and he knew that the believers he was doing this journey with were very earnestly praying for him. You see, when you're in a community that you know is upholding you to the Lord and is very earnestly praying for you, then suddenly the cost you're having to carry is not as heavy because it's shared. And this is something I really want to encourage us in today, but challenge us in as well. How do we carry each other's cost? How do we help each other do the call and the cost well? How do we very earnestly pray for each other? 
you know, who's God putting on your heart to uphold in that way? In Hebrews 12, it says we are called to look after each other. And in Galatians 6, it says we are instructed, I love this, to gently and humbly help a believer who is overcome by sin get back on the right path and share each other's burdens. So we're meant to bear each other's costs where we can. Sometimes, like in Acts 12, it is literally going to be prayer. It's the only thing you can do for someone. And prayer is powerful. If you have not seen that in your life yet, pray more. (laughs) Because we have seen prayer be so powerful in so many ways. And even to the really simple things, like you might in the morning be reading a verse and God brings someone to mind. You go, oh, is that a coincidence? And then you text that verse to that person and you literally hear back in a second, oh, that is exactly what I needed to hear from God today. That is actually earnestly loving each other, earnestly upholding each other, earnestly encouraging each other. It's not hard, but it's committed. There's a joy in helping each other do the journey well. Because while sometimes it's prayer, other times it's going to be really practical. Sometimes it's going to be a friend you just go and sit with. Sometimes it's going to be when a friend doesn't understand something. Sometimes it won't actually be your friend. It will just be someone God leads you to who becomes your friend. And sometimes it might be something that you've had as a cost to bear that helps someone else. Never think God will waste something in your life. I can think of a few years ago when I was caught in in a place of hurt and for every way I tried to get out of it, I was stuck. And that's a really bad place to be. If any of you have been there and you're replaying conversations in your head and you're thinking about what I could have done differently and why did they even say that? Anyway, you lie in bed at night and it becomes this cycle of mental pain. And, um, and I don't want to have that in my life. But sometimes we actually don't know how to get out of it. And we try and we try and we try. And so I decided to share with someone who's further down the Christian journey with me that I was stuck in this place. And they said, oh, I've been stuck there. And this is what I did. I prayed this awesome prayer from Ephesians. And it helped me. And I had to do it for a month every single night. But then I found freedom. Why don't you try that? If I had been told to go and train from Mount Everest at that point, to be free, I would have been because I didn't want to carry that. That was a cost God didn't want me to carry. And But it came with the call because it came out of our ministry. And so sometimes the costs that we bear come in other calls in our life as well because in following him, he'll have other calls. And so for a good month, every night I prayed this prayer from Ephesians about this situation until I genuinely had no thoughts of hurt and still don't years later. Now, the reason I share that is I to say, hey, I'm really human and I get hurt, but, but actually to say, I didn't know how to get out of it. But now if someone comes to me who's stuck in that place, I, like the person that I shared with, can go, hey, I've been there. I don't know if this helps, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there's this awesome passage in Scripture that can set you free. So when we bear a cost, 
Ask God how he can use that to help someone else who's paying that same, or stuck in that same place at the same time. That's community. That's doing the journey together. You know, that's the reality of doing the Christian walk well. Because it's in the big and the small. It's in what seems insurmountable. And then it's in the little speed humps. But it's amazing how many people get stuck on speed humps. We look at people's lives and we go, oh, I need to help them. They're at a huge hurdle. But actually, it's the huge hurdles we normally naturally get gather people around us to overcome because people can't miss them. It's the speed humps that trip us up. It's the little things, and then you have one speed hump up for another, and you just get weary and discouraged. And I think for me, I was thinking about this, there is that saying that it takes a village to raise a child. And I'm sure that any parents out here would probably agree with that. You can think of all the people that were key in your life as you raised your children. But I actually think it's equally true that it takes a village to follow the call and bear the cost so all of us finish the race well together. Because while it's your journey and you're the only one accountable before Jesus for it, part of what you're accountable for is how you love other people. And I want to love other people well. I don't, I don't want to be so caught up in my own cost that I don't help other people with theirs. And I don't want them so caught in theirs that they don't help me with mine. And I think that's what it actually means to apprentice after Jesus. To follow the call, to pay the cost, but to do it in the context of community that he created us to live in. And that's why I say it's an encouraging message. Because whether I tell you or not, you will have costs in your life. And if you haven't yet, although I doubt anyone in the room would say they've paid no costs, there will be some. But knowing the joy of the call and knowing the very earnest prayers and support of the community around you is a way that then you can continue to answer the call joyfully. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has encouraged and inspired you in your faith journey. If you'd like to find out more, head to our website at localcommunity.church.